Guys, thank you for coming. Welcome to the class. Phenomenal concepts today. I'm, I'm sure everybody has felt the energy of the week so far. That it's been a very, very tough week because there's always a lot of darkness before light. And you could see the energy in this week. It was a lot of confusion, a lot of despair, a lot of, a, lot, a little bit about everything. And it's all unbelievable that every single time we get to light, we always get this concept. And today's class, we really have, we have tons of sources. And really, how do, we, how do we really take advantage of this day that's coming up in, in, the, in this, this time? What are we fighting for, etc.? Number one thing you need to identify what a malik represents. The fight is against a malik. The fight is against despair. The fight is against my feelings becoming my identity. This is a major theme on, to recognize that we are not a malik. You have a malik. You have these neg- this negativity, but you are not the negativity. So very, very important to understand the, the identity is not the feeling. Feelings and identity is completely different unless it becomes your identity. And this is where exactly that, you know, before the, the evil inclination was outside of us, now it's inside our heads. And this is where the battle today is. The battle is, is, is not so much about intelligence, it's a battle about strength. This is one of the things that Rabbi Nachman really gave us. He gave us a lot of, he, he told us the game plan. And you're going to hear a lot, a lot of amazing insights. So just begin, the great book, Restore My Soul. This is from, these are basically all the classes on resiliences through uh, the Ramachmi, beautiful, it's a short book, but he says here something very beautiful. The war against the Malik is the war against your evil inclination. Evil inclination, would you say, I would say the English terms would be your, against your ego. That's the evil inclination. When we speak about the evil inclination, we're referring to the ego. It is a prolonged war. The way to humble a Malik, the way to humble your, your ego, is through strength, believe it or not. Your job is not to worry about winning, controlling the outcome. Your job is to hang in there. That is what you're required to do. Look what he says here. Regardless of what you go through, don't let anybody, anything throw you down. As it says in the Pasuk, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. You are there even when I cry out. And Rav Nachman says here that, that the path to God is, is we should understand this. That God's, you're not going to war, you're not, don't worry about winning the war yourself. God's going to win the war for you. The only thing you have to do is let him win the war for you. And how do you do that? By pulling yourself through strength. That is our job today, is to pull ourselves constantly, rebegin, strengthen ourselves constantly, constantly. And again, it's not no matter what, who you are, no matter what you're going through, you need to understand your job is the one thing, to pull yourself together as much as you can to deal with this war, mind war that we have going on. Everybody goes through it, but at least we have, we have, the, the, we have these, Rabbi Nachman, we have these great Torahs that can give us analogies, practicality, what my job is to do. My job is not to think about, you know, 10 years from now, 5 years from now, what's going on in my life. My job is to put myself together every single day and strengthen myself, which, which gives us a lot of hope because... Like we spoke many times that really what's anxiety today is the concept of time. Time becomes your enemy. And time is only a product of imagination. It's a very important concept. I mean, anytime I have anxiety, anytime I'm, I'm thinking about in the future, it's my concept of time. Oh my God, it's going to take this amount of time to, to fix this. Oh my God, I'm going to be in this problem forever. Oh my God, this. This concept of time is the evil inclination. So the more I... The more present I am, the less the ego can, can engage. But the more, the less likely that I'm present, the more the ego, imagination, 
will run over, run, run wild in my head and everything. This is why today it's not what's happening, it's the imagination that's what, what people's, what's going on in people's heads that is what's happening. It's not what's happening. It's the so much absorption of time and, and so much into the future that we can't even enjoy the present. And this is obviously what leads to despair. Because you can't, you can't have despair if you're in the moment. That's obviously, you can't, you can't be in despair if you're in the moment. So we have to strengthen ourselves. You want to just close the door? We have to strengthen ourselves constantly to get in the moment. And it's to constantly deal with today. Okay, today I got to deal with this today. Tomorrow I'll deal with tomorrow. Not to become overwhelmed. Not to become completely burnt out. And not to get to a point where we shut down completely. And this is exactly what happens when we get overwhelmed, we shut down. And when we shut down, basically you're putting down the weapon, which is your mouth, to win the war. You stop praying, you give up on everything. Your main weapon is your mouth. And when you shut down, that's not being used anymore. That's exactly what Purim is all about. Fighting. Fighting, crying out from a broken heart. Recognizing that also, we're going to go through a dark time before you get to light. This is why, if you didn't go through such a dark time, you would never cry out from your heart. This is why, specifically, when, we, when a person... In Purim, you have, there's a mitzvah to be drunk. It's one day of the year that you're allowed, you, it's a mitzvah to be drunk. Why, what is, when, when a person gets drunk, what does it do for him? It makes him forget about all his fears. His true personality comes out. Obviously, if it's not abused. But the purpose is, when, I feel, when, I'm, when a person drinks, he really feels like his true self. He doesn't have shame. He doesn't fear fear. He's in a higher level of consciousness. It's exactly what you're doing. You're getting, numbing out all the pain, all the fears, all the shame, all the regret, the true, the true use coming out. This is what we're trying to get important. We're trying to get to a light where we're in such a higher consciousness, such a high level of consciousness that the true me is coming out. The me that would, that would walk around with no fear. The me that would walk around with no shame. The me that would walk around with, all this, with, with no resentment. The true self is coming out. So you could see how you know, why drinking itself is because the, the, there's secrets that come out when a person is in that state. And the reason how he's in that state first is he has to recognize how, what darkness and what's, what's, what's making him go, go into that day. Why can I always be like that? It's because obviously the, the accumulated pain that I've been going through. So let's begin. The Baal Shem Tov says a beautiful analogy. And he says... The parable of the frightening mask. It's funny, Purim is all about wearing people wearing masks, and obviously people are burnt out with the mask. But just to give you a beautiful parallel, what he says. The Baal Shem Tov recognized at the time that he didn't need to, to give long classes. He could just give you a, long par- a little parable, and the parable says everything. He says, as one of his disciples was suffering greatly from a personal trouble, the Baal Shem Tov said to him, when you, experience, when you experience an affliction, you should recognize that God's behind the mask. It's like a father who's playing with his little son and he puts his frightening mask to see if his son's going to recognize him. The boy is scared, but when he realizes it's his father behind the mask, what does the father do? The boy screams out, Father, Father! Then the father removes the mask and he reveals himself. When you are suffering, understand that there's nothing but God, blessed be he, and it's your father behind the mask. Your job is to call out to him. When you call out to him, he removes the mask and he reveals a person. So there is this concept about a person, no matter where he is, 
where you get to a point where you can't figure things out, where no matter what you're trying to do, everything you're trying to do under the book, you're trying to hire all the therapists in the world, the best doctors, the best of this, everything, nothing's working because your, your creator doesn't want your, he doesn't want a referral from your insurance company. He wants you to cry, he wants you to cry out. There's a time where you need to understand that you need to do your due diligence, but he's not interested in the doctor, the best doctor to get because you're looking in the wrong place. He wants you to look inside your heart. And this is exactly what we're going to talk about, Lesson 20, that Psalm 22 for Purim talks only about crying out from the heart. So there's rec recognize that. This is what Rab Nachman teaches us, that there's times in life where you're going to press the gas and you're going to do everything you can and nothing is going to work on purpose. It's not going to work because what he wants from you is something completely different. He doesn't want your intelligence. He wants your heart. Recognize that. So this is where people really, really get confused. They keep on looking for the, the right therapy. They keep on, but there's times, yes, you'll do the right therapy. You'll go do, you'll check the, every single box. But that's not what's going to get you over the hump. What's going to get you over the hump is your broken heart. We spoke about this week that the opposite of depression is expression. Edith Ager, the opposite of depression is expression. Being able to express instead of take all that pain and hold it in. There's times where we have to just express ourselves. And this is very, very important. But the first thing is understanding that the mask itself, your creator's there. And there's a purposely why the mask is there. Your job is to cry out and recognize the mask. That God, it's only God behind the mask. This perm is going to be considered the spiritual Black Friday for you. Just like people wake up on Black Friday, somehow they can't break, wake up the rest of the week, but the rest of the year, but somehow to get the 75-inch TV for $5.99, somehow they have that energy inside of them, that willpower that they've never had before. Did they get up for that day? Believe it or not. Somehow people are getting up. Before, 3 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon they got up, but somehow they get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. This is your spiritual Black Friday. Purim is a day where whoever cries out is going to be answered. It's a, day, it's a very, very special day. That means normally when a person asks you for money, you have to question him and see if the guy's legit or not. But because on Purim the light is so great that anybody who asks you for money, you have to give them. You're not, you don't question him. Because whoever stretches out his hand is answered. So that analogy is the same thing for us. Whoever cries out on that day is answered. Doesn't mean you're going to be answered in 24 hours. You're not going to get a tracking number sometimes. But you'll eventually get answered. Today what happens is we pray and we're looking, we're looking for tracking numbers. You're not, doesn't mean it's going to be answered that day. It's going to be answered, but in the right time it's going to be. When you need it, when it's the best for you. And this is the day where, where in Brussels circles, they go to sleep early that night. They read the Megillah, they go to sleep, and they wake up as early as possible because that's really the time. To, to, that's, that's like prime time for a person really, really to get a, a tremendous spiritual awakening and a tremendous thing. And it's not based on your merit. It's based on the light of the day. And that's a very, very amazing day. I've, I've, I've woken up at this hour and, and definitely uh, I've gotten answered and unbelievable things have happened to me. So again, you have to understand the difference between a malik and you. You have a malik. You are not a malik. Okay? I am not my thoughts. I am not my feelings. I have feelings, but I'm not them. A malik tries to pretend you, I am the feeling. And it's not the real you. 
And there's a reason why no matter who you are, you're going to get these feelings. And your job is to fight them. Your job is to notice them. Your job is to become aware. But you are not the feeling. Because if you think you're the feeling, we close the book. Because we don't have no mindfulness. So a malik is what attacks you. A malik is the despair. A malik is the weakness. A malik is the cooling off spiritually. A malik is the giving up. A malik is the, the, really the, the sense of despair that we're fighting today. When we, we could say, I have a feeling of despair, but I am not in despair. I have a feeling of despair. We all get feelings of despair. We all get feelings of sadness. We all get feelings of completely, what, what can we do next? But that's a feeling. It's not your identity. Remember this concept. This is what the difference is. Because the more we attach ourselves to these feelings, then, then it gets in our head. Once we're in our head, we're done. It's not my identity. This is one of the main things to understand. This is not your concept. Another thing in this holiday that's amazing, amazing, is a person's able to, to create a brand new start like he's never made before. Why specifically? Because the first time the Jews received the Torah, they received the Torah through force. Either you, either you accept it or you're going to die. But the second time, the second time, it was done through love. That means repentance when a person comes back to his creator out of love. Not only do, do the sins get erased, but they actually turn into merits. You understand? They actually turn into merits. So this would defeat the whole concept of shame. Because at the end of the day, all the things that I, all the messes that I made, if I come back through love, those, those sins become, become mitzvot. They become, they work for you now. So think about the concept of shame doesn't really exist. Because as my attitude changes, I'm coming back with love. There's no such thing as shame. Shame, shame is, doesn't exist. Because I had to go through that situation in order to come back. So this is why guilt and shame is really, it's doing nothing for anybody. It doesn't do anything for anyone, it doesn't do nothing for your creator. Because you're, all you have to do is come back with love. It's all he's requiring you. He recognizes the problem, but the problem sometimes is the reaction to the problem. It's not the problem itself. The problem is the minor issue. The major issue is the reaction to the issue. Very important concept to understand that. Yes, you made a mess. But if you recognize that I had to make a mess in order to humble, become humble, and that led me to a greater renewal, then the mess doesn't go against me. The mess is, is the pathway to, to, get to, the, to get to the new light. Very, very important. This is why there's no such thing as a person having guilt and shame. You could reflect, you could be upset, you could, okay, I made a mistake, you can never more. But guilt and shame is really, it, it keeps you in, in a victim mindset. And this is what we don't want to do because it doesn't exist. Because at the end of the day, I'm getting credit for the return. I'm not getting credit for what I did. I'm getting credit for the return. That's what he's interested in. He's interested in the return. Just like, God forbid, a, a child would call his father, even after five years, listen, I'm going through the toughest time, I'm, I'm addicted to this, the father's going to say, whatever you need, I'm going to help you. It, there's no such thing as, no, you did a mess. No such thing. And that's something that we need to understand, that there's no such thing as a person giving up. It doesn't exist. It's no such thing. It's only man-made, that concept. Because if you recognize this concept, you will come back even greater. Very, very important. So coming back out of love is, is, is the greatest comeback ever. It's the greatest comeback ever. It's, 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 you can get even, that's why our sages say that where Balchuva went, even at Sad, they can't get to that level. Because that person went on such a low level that he came back so strong from that lowest, lowest area in his life that his, his energy and his light is greater than even the guy who's never fell. So you can even hit, hit a greater level even if you fell. 
This is why Rabbi Nachman's teachings have so much, so much hope. And there's no, again, there's no, the despair is only, only in my mind. Remember what, what despair is. Despair is really, like Viktor Frankl says, is suffering without meaning. That's what despair is. But if I recognize that sometimes I have to suffer to cleanse myself, there's many times that we have to suffer to cleanse. You know, I, I tell this to people all the time. Yes, you have to go through a little bit of bitterness. Because a little bit of bitterness cleanses you. But if you're not willing to do a little, have a little bitterness, you're going to have a lot of bitterness. Rabbi Nachman always said that you can suffer a little or you can suffer a lot. That is up to you. That is up to you. That's why we always want to take the first deal in heaven. Whatever the deal is, take it. <laughs> don't, don't question it. You got a $5,000 parking ticket, pay for it. You don't want the $5,000 target? Next thing you know, your car is getting towed away. You have no car for six months. You understand? Don't bark at, don't resist the, what heaven gives you in life. When we resist it, we're saying we know better, we shouldn't have gotten this, and then we turn that little problem into a bigger problem, which, which all of a sudden should have never happened. We're also fighting against the Haman mentality. What was the mentality of Haman? Haman's mentality was that he had everything in the world, but one thing. Mordechai did not bow to him. So sometimes what happens is we, we can walk around with everything that we have in life, but that one thing that's really bothering us, that one thing that's really bothering us, and all of a sudden what happens? The boat sinks because of that one thing. That one thing could be I'm not making enough money, my wife doesn't respect me, this happens, that happens, whatever. Everybody's got that one thing in their life that I'm sure is not going according to their plan in life. Correct? We all have our plans, and God has His plans, and sometimes your plan doesn't match that plan. There's, I, always get, I gave a class, what happens when life doesn't go as planned? What do you need to do? File a lawsuit against God? No. Change your story. You have to change your story. We have these little stories we created when we were little, based on our imagination, and we, and we say, this is the way it should have gone, right? And then the story goes completely backwards, so what do you need to do? Resent the story? You have to change the story. You can change the story really, really quick. But what happens is in life, just like Adam sinned, he couldn't have eaten from the whole garden. And he recognizes he was in the garden, but he wanted to own the garden. He wanted to be the control of the garden. His creator told him one thing, don't touch the tree, don't eat from the tree. What happens? He didn't listen. The same thing with Haman. He had that one thing, everything else he had in the world. He had all the money, he had everything. And he says, I have all these riches, I have everything, but I don't, I, it's, it's all worth nothing if I don't have Mordechai bowing down to me. So this is exactly what our ego shows us. I have everything in the world, but I don't have one thing. I don't have that car, I don't have that house, I don't have that boyfriend, I don't have my, whatever it is in your head that you have that one thing, recognize that that comes from arrogance. The opposite of that was obviously Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the complete opposite of Haman. Moshe Rabbeinu was always in a state of what? Humility. He was, he was always asking for free gifts. He wasn't asking for entitlement. So in Purim, we have to fight this mentality of something that's bothering me. I'm not getting... Don't walk around like everything else is good in our lives except for that one thing. And don't let that one thing break everything in life. We all have that one thing. Believe me, no matter who you are, you always have that one thing you wish you could change if you, if you had a do-over in heaven. But there's a reason why that one thing is there. Because we are not here in this world to be complete. If you're too complete, then what are you here for? You always have to have something broken in life. There has to always be broken.
But some people take that broken thing and their life becomes broken. Or some people say, you know what? I have all of these beautiful things, but I do have a broken thing. Yes, I'm admitting I have a broken thing. It's fine. I don't have to, I don't have to hide it. I don't have to... I recognize there's no such thing as, as perfection. I realize something has to be broken in our lives. It keeps me vulnerable. It keeps me humble. Thank you, Hashem. And then what happens is everything else is blessed. But if that one thing in your life becomes a source of happiness and you start chasing after that one thing, then the whole, the, what happens, the, whole, the, the rest of your life is miserable and you don't get that one thing. So we have, that, we have to be careful with that one thing in our life that is, could, be, could be, obviously could be better in our, in our life, that that expectation became resentment. We have to be careful with resentment, especially resentment towards our Creator. Because what happens is when you, when you, when you resent your Creator, you create a major lack. You create a situation where you close the gates. You know, you, you, you walk into, the, into a house, the gates are open. The car goes in. But there's, there's gates that are closed. And where do the gates begin? The gates begin in a person's heart. Very, very important concept. Rav Nachman says here that a person, his creator, a person's creator, he recognizes him, therefore the Zohar teaches. Her master is known at the gates. God makes himself known to each person according to the capacity of his heart, the gates of your heart. An open heart, you're going to see your Creator everywhere in your life. A closed heart, you will not see your Creator. I have the ability to open up the gates, just like you open up the gates. Gates are open, you walk in. Gates are closed, nothing comes in. The gates refer to my own perspective. Open perspective, open heart, open gates. Opportunities come. Closed perspective, closed heart, I see nothing but what I, what, what's, what's not good in my life. So we, ha- we need to open up the gates in our life. If something's not coming through, that means the gates are closed. Just like a car, a small car, small gate. That's all you're going to get. Teaches us when our perspective is low, the gates are low. And the, the greater the opening of the heart is, the greater the recognition of your heart is. The greater you'll recognize everything in your life. So you have to ask yourself, if the cars are not coming in, maybe the gates are not open. And what's keeping the gates not open? Why, why are the gates closed in our lives? That's my estimation of my heart. And this is what the Rav Nachman says. To the extent that a person recognizes God's greatness, he will feel embarrassed and stand before him and pray. One of the signs that you're growing in life, I had a class on this, there was a, what's one of the signs that you're growing spiritually? Is if you're constantly embarrassed before God. What does that mean practically? Every time I have a new perspective and a new way of looking at life, I have to do teshuva, I have to ret- repent for the previous way I was thinking. That make sense? Because before you were thinking, you were thinking based on your limited mindset. But now because you opened up your perspective, you had a spiritual awakening, now when you come to pray, you're almost embarrassed to even ask for things because all you want to do is praise. That is a very good sign. When you get to a point where, you know what, I'm just praising you, I'm thanking you, I never saw this, this problem as an opportunity, then all you do is praise. And once you start praising, all the blessings come in. You want to open up the gates in heaven? Start praising. 
Just like you praise somebody, what do they want to do? Praise your husband, how great he is. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to go buy you things. He's going to take care. He's going to show you how great he is. But you tell him what a he is. He's going, to, he's going to prove to you who he is. You understand? Same thing. Lahabdul in heaven. When you praise your creator, my praise is based on my loneliness. doesn't mean my loneliness as, as I'm not uh, hiding a false holding. But because I'm learning so much... I recognize how much I don't know anything. And when I recognize how much I don't know anything, then I get embarrassed, and all of a sudden I see my loneliness, and I see how great my Creator is. Then automatically that triggers a praise. Very important concept. That's a sign that you're growing. sign that you're growing is that you have this embarrassment towards your Creator which is the opposite of what? I know everything. You're not fixing this problem for me. I'm coming to you with resentment. Small gates, resentment, no praise, more headaches. That's one angle. Or we can take this angle. That this angle guarantees work. But in order to get a higher perspective of your creator, you have to know more. Because the more you know, the more you recognize you know nothing. And the more you recognize you know nothing, the more you can thank him. So it's very important, this, this concept, that very, very unfortunately, the worst thing we could see is when a person doesn't have his perspective because you can't, he can't be teachable. And this is what Rabbi Nachman says in Lesson 250. Know that all matters of suffering and afflictions are due to a lack of doubt, lack of perspective, lack of knowledge. Because somebody who knows that everything is from heaven is not going to feel affliction. He's going to recognize God has given, God has taken, and it's happening for him. It's happening for him. It's a favor in heaven. So all suffering and all, all really constricts the consciousness is a lack of consciousness. Because the more consciousness I have, clearly the more I praise, the more I, the gates are open, the more opportunities come. And this is why we fight today against being a victim mindset. This is why it's so important to fight this mentality. Because when you fight this mentality, this mentality itself does not allow gates to be open. It only closes gates. Because you're saying, upstairs in heaven, there's a problem. Downstairs is good. But the problem is in heaven. It's not with my perspective. And when you have that mindset, you have more of an arrogant mentality, more of an, a Haman mentality, and you're less likely to, to, to spur Shefa from heaven. So it's very, very important when we look at our situations, instead of questioning our Creator, we need to start questioning our thinking. And that makes a big difference, believe it or not. <laughs> when things are not smooth, it's to teach you, breathe, get in a different perspective, change the way you're looking at the issue, and approach, change your approach. Very simple. That is the only purpose why we go through these things. And ultimately, when you come to recognize that, once you realize you were off, for example, you, you're, you're brokenhearted from a person you thought that was, should have been your husband or that should have been your wife, and next thing you know, you met somebody 10 times as nicer. But at that moment, you were so broken because you thought your Creator gave you a lemon and, he, and, he, and he, he put you through a horrible situation. And when you realize, oh my God, what in the world was I thinking? What in the world was I thinking at that moment? What do you do with that? Oh, forget about it. What's next? No. I have to be embarrassed now for the way I was thinking, questioning him at that moment. 
We've all gone through businesses, we've all gone through relationships, and we thought that that moment, that relationship was phenomenal, and it went sour, and we, and we were left with a broken heart and questions of why would you do this to me? And then you recognize it was really doing it, happening for your benefit. So once you come to that realization, you should put that in your memory and say, you know what? This always happens to me. Somehow, <laughs> somehow this is always happening. As long as I have the right attitude, somehow think better things come. So why am I constantly not doing that all the time? It's because another problem we have is memory. Memory. That's another problem. We have a long-term memory for trauma and short-term memory for gratitude. That's another problem we have to work on, is the memory. Sometimes you forget all the things that happen. You remember every insult, you remember everything, but you don't remember the good things. That's another thing we need to remember on this Purim. Memory. Remember. Remember. Your Creator is always asking you remember how He got you out of the problem last time. He'll get you out again. Or you can remember what you don't want to remember and then we, don't, we, don't, we, we, we forgot the perspective. Again, back to perspective, back to, to realizing that it's happening. And this is exactly why in Purim, Ram Nachman says that dancing and clapping, being happy ahead of the event can, can reduce judgment, can, can, can break a decree. Believe it or not, in the, cir- in the circles where, when there would be a decree in Uman, where Ram Nachman lived, anytime there was a decree, the decrees back then were to convert, take these kids and take them into the Cantonese army. Real decrees. Different than today's decrees. Here you get the wrong ice cream in Amazon, you flip out. Talking about real decrees. Not, uh, not these kind of decrees. And you know what Rav Nachman used to do? He would dance and clap and he would sing. Can you imagine that? Imagine something's broken, somebody takes away your account and you're dancing and clapping. You're dancing and clapping, enjoy that it happened. This is how Rav Nachman did, they did. They were dancing and clapping, and he says, through dancing and clapping, we were able to break 20 years of decrees. Not, not worrying. Dancing and clapping. We're going to talk about why dancing and clapping specifically. Why you're more prone to an attack when things are, when you're not in a good state. So Rav Nachman knew that he would celebrate in advance for what he didn't have. And he's teaching us also, can you get to a level where you can celebrate things broken in your life? And he says, that will break the decrees. So he's telling you here. Through dancing and clapping, Rab Nachman was able to turn away 20 decrees. And he says here, in lesson 10, black and white, when God forbid there are divine judgments decrees affecting the Jewish people, through dancing and hand clapping, the divine judgments decrees can be mitigated. Big deal. You imagine that? He's not telling you nothing else but be happy. Dancing and clapping. Why? What happens is when you get hit with, with pain in life, the first thing that's going to go is your feet and your hands. You go to a doctor, he checks the pulse. I think there's some acupuncturists here, right? What's the first thing they do? The acupuncturist checks. Not your insurance card, because they don't take insurance, by the way. They check your pulse. A doctor checks your pulse. Because your pulse is an indication of your, your mindset. Fast pulse, slow pulse. The Baal Shem Tov would check a person's pulse 
and you would already tell them the physical problem the guy had just on checking the pulse because your hands the pulse the ruach person's spirit when you're in a good mood what do you do your, your pulse is up but when I'm not in a good mood when I'm in a bad state what's the first thing that goes heaviness the heaviness goes he says in here for when the limbs are heavy the ruach of the pulse the person's spirit grows even weaker you see walking you see people walking around with a lot of heaviness you see them walking around heaviness not physical heaviness mental heaviness we already know we already know that stress weakens 50% of your body and the first thing that's gonna go is your hands your hands and feet people don't want to move you tell them come move let's go no, I don't want to move why because the hands and the feet are the two areas where the klipot where the negative energies go to because Moshe Rabbeinu when his hands were up they won the war what does that mean when he was praying and he looked up to heaven he won the war but when his hands were down they lost the war Amalek won was it his hands that won the war it was his spirit he kept on he kept on praying when I'm in a bad mindset I'm putting my hands down the spirit doesn't put your hands up you put your hands down and this is exactly why when there's a decree you're prone to this attack of heaviness you're prone to this attack of negativity we're all prone to it and your job is to what not go into despair cry out to heaven imagine that which is complete opposite of what the world is doing they get attacked they go shut down opposite you have to go cry out you have to go cry out Haman which corresponds to idol worshipping as it says Haman Haman made himself into an, into a worship of idol and this is why he was happy that Purim fell on the seventh of Adar because the Adar represented Moshe Rabbeinu represented the Savior and he says listen if Moshe Rabbeinu died on this day I got it in the bag but he recognized that Moshe Rabbeinu he didn't recognize he was born on that day and when, when a tzaddik dies it's a very high, high energy day and he recognized Moshe Rabbeinu was the opposite of idolatry because he specifically got buried where? he got buried across from idol worshipping Baal Peor so Moshe Rabbeinu represented the opposite which Moshe Rabbeinu represents greatness, humility never giving up Haman represents the idol worshipping etc this is why Mordechai and Esther had the power to counter Haman's idolatry and when the Jew, and not only did they the, 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 the ending is that they were saved but they came back like never before they're, they're, the, they came back they were festive and all that so there is this concept that you're going to go through a very very dark time in order to be relieved doesn't mean you're safe from the dark time which is something that we're very confused in you know we're thinking oh if I'm going through a dark time maybe there's something wrong with me or if I'm going through a dark time, something I did wrong. No, there's times because that dark time, you're getting tested in the dark time. And they want to know what you're doing in the dark time. They want to get more koach out of you when you're in the darkness. Why did we have a fast? Why did, we have, why did they have to be annihilated? Save them, without the, save them without it. But there's a reason why they were not saved. It's because they had to cleanse themselves and they had to cry out. Every poem we read Psalm 22. Psalm 22 talks about when a person goes through trouble. And the psalm goes for the conductor upon the Yelat HaShachar. 
Ayelet HaShachar represents here the biggest, the biggest light of the day occurs in the, right from the darkness. This is why in breast of circles we go from the darkness to the light, which represents Hatzot. Hatzot is when you break the night. The darkest night, which is, could be right now, I would say in Florida, it's maybe 1248. 1249, it's the biggest light. Imagine that. 1248, the biggest darkness. 1249, the lights just went on. That's how it works. You can go from the biggest darkness to the biggest light. This is why Nachman, this is why specifically you want to wake up very early when you pray. Because what you're doing, you're taking advantage of the energy in the, in the morning. That, that darkness turning into light. That darkness turning into light is the greatest time. Because you're going from... Imagine you waking up in the morning and somebody robbed you. Okay? All of a sudden... You wake up at one o'clock. You see the guy in your, in your <laughs> you see the guy in your face. You caught you caught him. But imagine this guy is waking up at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the guy is already in the port of Miami with all his things. We have to catch. We have to catch what's causing the darkness in our lives. So why we advise for people to wake up early is because when you wake up early, you're you're more. There, there's already a mercy in heaven, without you doing anything. The mercy is already coming down because the biggest light just came down. This is why we advise, stripe, better to pray before the sun comes out. Because before the sun, once the sun comes out, already judgment comes into the world. But before the sun comes out, this is a time where you're going to have a lot more concentration, a lot more focus, and there's a lot more mercy coming down in heaven because of this concept between the darkest and turning into light. So this is also for us. This is why all my meditations, all my prayers, there's no sun. <laughs> it's because I take advantage. I take advantage of the mercy in heaven and I just go into that mercy. And this, and this is why it's very, very important. One second, just one second. After one second. And in this, in this psalm he says, Why have you forsaken me and stayed aloof from my salvation? O God, I cry out by night, but I have no respite, I have no consolation. Only, what is, what is this whole psalm about? You're taking... The, the broken heart, that broken heart becomes the biggest source of light after that broken heart. Do you understand? That means after a broken heart, what feeling should you get? A sense of relief. The difference between, God forbid, a de- depression, praying out of anger and depression, after that feeling, you're going to get nothing. You're going to get nothing but unfilled expectations. But when you're in a good st- when you pray with a broken heart, the broken heart is showing how much you don't know, how much distance you have. I'm praying out of a lack of distance, a lack of being close, that broken heart turns into joy. Because what did you do? You just relieved. Just like when you're talking to, you're talking to a friend, what do you do? You take your pain and you relieve your burden. You remove your burden. You feel much better. It's exactly what the purpose of, of a prayer from a broken heart. And believe it or not, as in this passage it says, for he has neither despised nor loathed the supplication of the poor, nor he has hidden his face from him. One of the ways to get heaven's attention is a prayer of an of ani. Prayer of an ani is a prayer of a broken person. Not broken in, in mindset, but broken from distance. The most precious prayer in God's sight is that of a poor person and downtrodden. As our sages say, this is true when a needy person is praying for material lack or spiritual lack. He feels impoverished. That prayer is the highest form of prayer. When you pray with a broken heart, 
what happens? God answers you. Because he sees you're genuine, he sees you're real, he sees this guy's real. This is not, he's not doing it for the, for the Facebook likes. He's doing it for his heart. You understand? He's authentic. He's humble and he's authentic. He answers you. So sometimes it gets, you have to go through pain just to get to that point. You understand? Because if that's the most precious prayer, how are you going to get there? Are you going to get an email? How are you going to get there? How are you going to get to that level? You're going to have to go through the pain. And when you go through that pain and you get that, you get a relief that you would have never gotten if you felt great. See what I'm saying? Which if you don't understand this concept, you're going to say something's wrong with me. Why am I going through so many ups and downs? You're going to say something's wrong with me. I must be, something must be wrong with me. Why am I feeling great sometimes and why sometimes I feel nothing? It's because you're a human being. <laughs> and you need to know what to do in those two states. And many times people have this completely confused. Completely confused. They, get, they, they start identifying themselves as they're thinking. Instead of recognizing right now I'm in a state of a concealment. Right now I'm in a state of darkness. What do I need to do? I need to cry out from the heart. Just like you would go see a therapist when you're, when you're broken, when you're completely confused. You, your therapist is your creator. This is a very, very important. This is the concept. This is why right before the miracle came, there was a, a complete darkness and, a, and, the, and the Jews did nothing more but cried out. The miracle was created by them crying out. It wasn't created by nothing else but them crying out. This is where the miracle is going to happen in your life. It's going to happen there. It's not going to happen in, in the day. You get in the day with the effort you put in at night. The day is only a reflection of your hard work at night. And you need to think, we can't walk around like Haman. I'm not getting this, I'm not getting respect, I'm not getting this, I'm not getting... That mindset is, is exactly the arrogant mindset. Because you want all this stuff, but you don't want it, you're not putting the work in. You're not, you're not building the vessel. You want everything. You want to get married, but you just want to flip through apps. No. He's giving you a bad date on purpose so you can cry out and say, look what I'm attracting. <laughs> Creator of the world. Look, look, at, look at Miami's dating. That should put you to tears. There should be more broken hearts right now. That's a real cry from heaven. Not depression. Not excuses. There's no man in Miami. Ha, look what I'm attracting, for God's sake. Nobody wants to commit. It's exactly what you're supposed to do. And there you get answers. And I've seen the difference. Just one second with the chips. I've seen the difference between people getting married and not. The people that, are, that cry out desperately, they're getting, they're getting answered all the time. The people that are just swiping and swiping and swiping and nothing's, and nothing's happening. Oh, new app. No, 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 no. There's a reason why you have that lack. Heaven is giving you that lack on purpose. There's a lack. You have a, you, a person could have a lack in, his, in his, his marriage. A person can have a lack in his, with dealing with his children. These lacks are there because he wants to cry from the heart. He wants the salvation. He wants, you to, he wants to give you the salvation, but he wants to get you to a point where you completely lose any hope except for God. Which is the opposite of a Malik, which is a Malik represents happenstance. Oh, odds are happening. Happenstance. This is the danger we have today. Oh, what are you talking about? I, I, nothing I could do. If it's going to change, it's going to change. It's nature. We, don't wanna, we can't have that mindset because if we have a nature mindset, we lose, we lose any hope. We don't believe we can make a difference. And this is the fight today. This is the fight that we're fighting with. Is the fight against nature versus reality. 
how much do I pray, how much effort do I put, etc. This is why it's very, very important that you need to understand this. That don't, there's nothing wrong with you because you don't feel light. <laughs> nothing, I don't feel light many times. Many, many times. But if I don't feel like, I can't, I can't, if I don't feel, how can I, how can I talk to a client that's, a, that's going through trauma or going through abuse? I, I can't relate to him if I'm, <laughs> if I'm in a nice suit and everything's great in my life. I have to feel his pain. And the only way I would feel his pain is God has to put me in the same pain that I can feel him and see what he's going through. How could you help people? If you didn't go through brokenness, you would never be able to help people. What would, what would be your point? So he purposely puts you on in that state. He purposely puts you in that state. And you need to, re- don't think that's your identity. You will get the light, but you can't, you can't escape, you can't escape this concept of a broken heart because God's telling you, this is the greatest prayer. When you're up against the wall and you have nothing, look at, look what happened with the, we, we just spoke about the splitting of the Red Sea. It didn't split on a remote control, they were down to the, the water was down to the necks, and the salvation come. And this is where you're, you're in the one yard line in life, and sometimes you, you're like, I can't do this anymore. That's when you need to turn it up. Anytime you feel like giving up, it's a time to turn it up. That's what I tell myself. Anytime I'm about to give it up, I need to turn it up. That's the message of Purim. You have to turn it up. You have to turn up the heat, man. If you're getting chased by heat, you need to turn up the heat. You need to turn up the heat. Nothing you could do. When you turn up the heat in heaven, that's when things happen. But if you go into a very cold mentality, oh, I tried, I tried this, I tried that, you're not going to get the results you're going to get. And the reason why you're getting through the, going through these tests is because you have that potential inside of you. You have the ability to, to turn on the heat because your, your soul comes from a great place which is from your creator. It means you were made with greatness, so you come from greatness. And this is not just positive reinforcement. This is not. You have to understand that there's times where you need to turn on the heat. You have to. Now, the greatest way would be is turn on the heat before things get, somebody's running after you. That's probably the best way. That's what Rabbi Nachman's telling us. What, it, what you do at the end, I want you to do in the beginning. That means wake up hungry. Don't wake up, don't wait for the, the, the whole kitchen sink to go down so you, oh, now I got your attention. Why do we have to wait for desperation all the time? Don't wait for desperation all the time. Do what you do at the end, do it in the beginning. You know, how many times people come to me, my marriage after three years, look at the way it looks like. It looks like Gaza. Why don't you come to me before? <laughs> come to me before. I would have told you what to do. Why are you now the guy's down thirty-one nothing in the fourth quarter and he wants me to somehow save the situation. When she's got an arrest warrant on the guy. <laughs> I mean there's a time where you have to come before you're down thirty-one nothing. I mean you can't just come when you're down thirty-one nothing. What do I do now? You can't do that. Because then you're being neglectful. That means when you're down seven nothing, okay, you're down fourteen nothing. Whoa! Time out. Replan. We can't always wait till we're down thirty-one nothing to cry out, because then you then you're asking for too many miracles, and then you put. Remember, every time you ask for a miracle, it goes against your credits. You know, your guy goes bungee jumping. Oh, it's a miracle! I didn't die. Yeah, you could have used that miracle for something else. Don't put yourself in a position to use miracles for, for stupid reasons. 
Don't put yourself in miracles. God forbid I tell people, God forbid they overdose on drugs all the time. You put, you know, you use this, you use this miracle for this. You think this is just going to, one day it's going to be gone. There's a certain amount of merits you have in heaven. You can't just use them. You want to use them when you really need to use them. Even Rabbi Nachman said this very deep concept. Anytime you can get out of a problem with money, don't rely on a miracle in heaven. Don't rely on a miracle. Pay for it. You know why? Because that goes against your merits. Don't rely on miracles all the time. Don't put yourself all the time where you need a triple bypass surgery because you're eating the wrong foods. Next thing you know, here's the miracle. I can't give him another miracle. Don't put yourself in dangerous positions. So you need a miracle all the time, and then what happens? That miracle is gone. That's, that's neglectful miracles. We have the ability to understand if something is not working. If I'm down 7, 12, 14, nothing, you can't call me when you have an arrest warrant and, and ask me to save. To, to, my wife doesn't love me anymore. Yeah, obviously. I mean, yeah. this is also neglectful. Do what you do. I'm not going to tell you. You do at the end, do it in the beginning. That little line could save you a lot of headaches. Don't wait for desperation. Be offensive. Take an offensive attack in life. Take an offensive attack in life. Don't wait for defense all the time. This is neglect. That's not being aware. This is something that we need to look into. Sometimes we're asking for too many miracles, and I've seen this many times. People are asking for the miracles when they've, you know, all these merits got used up already. Not saying there's no hope. I'm not, I'm not, my, I'm not a, my God, but I've seen... You know, you, you put yourself in a very tough position. Our sages, this is why our sages say three things. Three things the Gemara says, that if a person does, not only his sins will be opened, his books will be opened up. Number one, leaning on a shaky wall, putting yourself in a dangerous position. That's one way. So not only will, because, okay, should we save him or not? So when we put ourselves in a dangerous position, it's like your, your books get opened. Number two, asking for somebody else to be punished. Guaranteed audit. Imagine calling somebody else, listen, IRS, you should go audit this guy. Oh, really? Well, you're going to get audited. And number three, expectation and prayer. Not only will you not get the credit for the prayer, but the, you get audited. Because they say, who's this guy? <laughs> he prays with half of his head, and all of a sudden he wants to know the tracking number for his package. He can go against you. So you have to, these three things are very dangerous. They bring judgment instead of mercy. Don't put yourself in those positions. Don't lean on the wall that's shaky and say, what happened? That means we're using the miracles the wrong place. Did you get the three or no? The third one. Expectation and prayer, calling upon somebody to be punished. And third one is leaning on, putting yourself in a dangerous position. You should pray and get out of the way. Pray and get out of the way. Because when we pray and we control the prayer, that prayer can now, all of a sudden, you're, you're becoming arrogant. Okay, imagine somebody doing you a favor. Okay, now what are you going to do for me? You understand? That, then you're not really praying to connect. You're praying to get. So that prayer is lacking heart and lacking humility. So that prayer is not going to go anywhere because it's missing the, the, the mind and the soul, the body and the heart. The heart and the mind. It just has the mind. You're doing it as a transaction. So it's very, very important that anytime that we're doing something spiritually, do it out of your heart and walk away. <laughs> walk away. It's the control 
that makes that prayer not, not be answered. That means if I pray, and all of a sudden I'm controlling, okay, what's happening? I don't understand what's happening. This is, why do you think people stop praying? People stop praying because they prayed and they, they didn't get what they answered. The reason why they didn't get answered is because they were watching the scoreboard. Your job is not to watch the scoreboard. Your job is to pray and get away. Then, heaven, let heaven do the... Heaven, that's heaven's business when the prayer is going to be answered. Not your business. But when you control the outcome of things, you get in the way of heaven, which is the form of the ego, and then what happens? You don't get the miracles. You don't. And I've seen many people. They, they started something, they didn't get results right away, and all of a sudden they stopped. It's a form of arrogance. Because you... We all went through this. I Believe me, I, I went very hard. I used to pray and things were worse every single day because I was, <laughs> I was praying and, and expecting things to happen right away and nothing was happening. Not only was it not happening, things got worse. So I'm like, what's going on? The more I pray, things are getting worse. Something must be wrong. But obviously, I looked into the books and recognized, oh, I didn't recognize I'm the one trying to answer the prayer. So when I started praying and let go, everything worked out. It, that was a two-year lesson, by the way. Two-year lesson. Two-year lesson. What's going on? I don't know. This is not changing. That's not changing. This is not changing. It's like you're playing God. You're playing God. Why are things not moving? It's not your job to tell God when things are moving. Your job is to do His will and get out of the way. The more you get out of the way, the more His blessing comes. That's why you're saying, just say, make yourself empty so He can come. The more empty I am, the more empty I am, the more the gates are open, the more humble I am, the more my Creator can come and bless me. But the more I'm full, what room is there for Him to, to come and bless you? This is why a broken heart, when I'm praying out of a broken heart, I'm praying out of distance and, and, and confusion and not, no knowledge. I'm praying as a nani. I'm praying with a broken heart of complete desperation of, 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 of being confused. That's a very worthy prayer. That's a prayer, that's the Psalm 22, what we say on Purim. Why have you forsaken me? Why, have you, why, have, why are you not answering me? Not in a bad way, but you're saying it out of, out, of, out of being lost, being lost in life without any hope. That is a very precious prayer. And, and unfortunately, the other one is, is, is 22. is rescue me from, rescue me from the hand of my enemies. Rescue me. Help. That's another good prayer when you're asking for help. Not when you're saying, can you whack this guy for me that's, that I don't like. That's not a prayer. That's the mafia talking. Can you, this guy, whack him for my life. Or make this guy nicer in my life. That's not a... Huh. You could say, maybe I can give him more mercy. And when you send him positive singles, he's going to send you nice, nicer singles. That's a different prayer. You're praying for you to change. You're not praying for that guy to all of a sudden... Uh, you know, change. That's, again, arrogant prayer when we are the ones asking heaven to change what they have to change. What we want to do is we want to change your consciousness. And as you change your consciousness, you attract more mercy, which turns into opportunities. It's always us that has to, the, 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 the approach and the way you do it is a big, big deal. And how you get miracles and why people, and the reason why people stop praying is because they, they're, the, the, the accumulated weight of not being answered puts them in a, in a despair. But the only reason why you're in that despair in the first place is because you're praying and you're not connecting. You're getting. You're trying to get only. So that prayer is only adding more headaches and more pain and, and nothing's going through because you're in the way. So pray and get out of the way. Very far out of the way. And I promise you, you will see so much more results. You know, it's like almost overtraining. You know, a guy works out 
and he just works out. He's supposed to work out for an hour, and he's there for the gym for three hours, and he's wondering why he's not gaining, why he's not losing weight. Because your body needs to, to rest. The muscles, the muscles grow at rest. You can't overtrain something because overtraining will lead to cortisol. Not only will you not get the result, but you'll get the opposite. So overtraining is exactly the same thing as overpraying out of an expectation. So guys, take this, take this unbelievable time, these unbelievable things, which is take this opportunity and put them to definitely cry from a broken heart, from a place of distance. That is a guaranteed answer. The, the our approach. Another beautiful thing that we spoke about, dancing and, hand cl- and clapping, recognizing that we're how, how prone we are to shutting down when things are not in our favor. We're all, we're all prone to that. The hands and the feet are the first place that you're gonna, that's going to affect. The feet re- represent the klipot. When a person gets tackled, he gets tackled in his feet. His feet are lethargic. Energy being lethargic is, is a chance that my, my spirit is gone. When my spirit is gone, I stop. I shut down. This is why the opposite of depression is expression. When you feel accumulated, accumulated pressure, that's not the time to, to suppress, that's the time to express. It's the time to express, not the time to, to shove down what's already in there or to numb. And this is why Edith Agar, I, I read her book, I believe, The Choice. She says there's no Prozac in Auschwitz. There is no numbing device in Auschwitz. There is, this is what life is. How are you going to make the best out of the situation? Can you imagine the mental capacity that somebody had? And look at the lessons we've, all, we've learned from Auschwitz, from Viktor Frankl and Edith Eger, how mental resiliency and how nobody can take away your power today. These lessons are, are here for us today. So may Hashem help us all that we should get to Purim, we should see the miracles by having humility, by connecting to the light of Mordechai Nesta. Have a great day. Anytime. Any questions?